Welcome to Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. I'm Jackson. And I'm Sam. On today's episode, we'll be chatting all about Private Practice Season 1, Episodes 5 and 6. Episode 5, in which Addison finds a shower head, was written by Shonda Rhimes and Marty Noxon and directed by Julie Ann Robinson. It aired on October 24th, 2007. Episode 6, in which Charlotte goes down the rabbit hole, was written by Jenna Bands and directed by David Solomon. It aired on October 31st, 2007. Ooh, Halloween! Enjoy! Happy Halloween! (laughs) I watched Hocus Pocus last night with another one of my... I'm a Patreon of the American Girls podcast, which is these two historians who look at the American Girl, the historical dolls, through, um, through a historical lens. And I'm in their Patreon group, and once a month they have a movie watch along, and then you, um, like message each other on Discord, which is like a Slack type thing. So last night we watched Hocus Pocus, so now I'm in like a very, very Winifred Sanderson mood. Although never Winifred, always Sarah or Mary. Now Sam, this may be hard to believe, um, as I am a gay man in my twenties living in New York City. But I just saw Hocus Pocus for the first time last Halloween. Had you heard of it and you just hadn't seen oh, it? Oh, of course I'd heard of it. I just didn't watch it. That's fine. I don't watch a lot yeah. of movies. Remember, I like TV better. Um, yeah. And wasn't for me. I'm sorry. I know, I know, I know it's blasphemy. No, Gay it's, blasphemy. It's fine. I feel like, so when I was little slash even now, like, I'm I'm very easily scared. So I didn't do a lot of Halloween movies when I was little, except for Halloween Town, because I was obsessed with that actress. I think her name's Kimberly Brown. I follow her on TikTok now. She was in Quince. She was in that. She was in so much. She was like Christy Carlson Romano, but not. Some people were obsessed with Christy Carlson Romano. I was Kimberly Brown. Let me triple check that her name is Kimberly Brown. But I was a Halloween Town gal, and now I watch hocus pocus every once in a while but it's also not my favorite but i appreciate it okay now, sam yeah i'm just not really a halloween person these days no. no especially new york it's too crazy halloween here is crazy listeners if you've not been it's too much it's just too much i i halloween is my least favorite holiday actually for quite a few reasons um but i I, I don't think – I think one year my roommates and I, when I lived uptown, we had a Halloween party. But other than that, I don't think I've celebrated Halloween here any other times. Oh, no, no, no. No, actually that was all the same year because I went down to the village with a few friends to, like, take cute pictures. And I was Belle, really good pictures in front of Washington Square Park. Um and then for my party, I was Alice, which, if you think about it, is the Belle costume, but with a blonde wig. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. But that's the only year I've celebrated Halloween here. I think I was Elaine Stritch when I was 18. <laughs> but that's all Did I remember. Did you do the white button down? And tights and character shoes? Yes. Amazing. I didn't, do I didn't know if you did the company outfit. I did not do a wig. No, no, no. I did the classic Elaine. Okay. Moving on. shall we talk about episode five sam definitely what's your first note my first note is remember tilly the elevator god 
from the backdoor pilot. I miss her. I wish she had been in this elevator dream sequence. <laughs> and I didn't want to ruin it in the backdoor pilot because you didn't know yet, but she also was one of my favorite parts of the backdoor pilot, and I wish that she had continued with the series, but she doesn't, which makes me sad because I feel like she would have been a really cute... She could have been like, the Boki of private practice. Yeah, but Boki doesn't speak, although... We only see Boki, and she doesn't speak. And Terry, we don't see. We only hear. Okay, I see where exactly. you're going. Exactly. Yeah. What's your first note? Addison's hair looks really great. I know it's a dream, but her hair still looks really great. And then I realized later, and I have this note a few times in here, that everyone's hair looks really great in both of these episodes. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wanted does. to give my MVP to the hair and makeup department because the makeup's also really good, but then I didn't know how that would be taken so i gave it to a character instead but really my mvp of these episodes goes to the hair and makeup department i approve this message (laughs) also when they're at naomi's house it's a different kitchen than we saw in the backdoor pilot it's also a different naomi uh, yes and a different maya (laughs) so so maybe they just switched her whole naomi bennett life and i'm fine with that i didn't notice it had been long enough that i didn't catch that You've got a good oh, eye, Sam. see, I'm just – and see, but you haven't seen it before. I've seen it a few times before, so I'm just True. nitpicking. Like how I caught the backwards necklace last week. Yes. Now, speaking yeah. of Naomi's house, why is Addison there so early in the day? Do people do that? I would never go to somebody's house that early in the day before work. So I found that in California, things start a little bit later. Because they've missed the East Coast wake up anyway, so if they if they wake up, things have already happened here. A lot of my friends on the West Coast wake up at nine, and then they text me at noon. They're like, "Oh my God, what happened?" Especially you know, with <laughs> life these days. Yeah. Um, but I I feel like for the most part, things open a little bit later there, so it might be closer to ten, not so close to like seven or so that you might be thinking. No, I was thinking like 9 o'clock. I don't like um, to see people until like 10, you know, when I'm in public, hair and makeup done, ready to greet the people. It's not going to happen in somebody's kitchen, Sam. Not for me. That's anyway. True. That's fine. That's fine. Also, I ma- um, had some major eye rolls watching Pete show off with his exercising in this opening sequence. It's like, oh, yeah. we have to watch him exercise. Because he's supposed to be the hot one. I <laughs> I didn't even notice that, actually. And I don't dislike him. I just like probably the character, along, I guess with Sam, too. Sam doesn't seem to do a lot. He and Sam are like the least interesting to me. Yeah, Sam doesn't, doesn't do a lot. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I never have notes about him. And then I'm like, am I just intentionally ignoring Tay Diggs? No. Like, no, at the time he was married to one of my favorite singers. Uh, <laughs> why would I ignore him? <laughs> He's just not really there, like McCavity. I have a question here. After that scene in the conference room, which was like so cringy and uncomfortable, I when Pete when Pete says, Oh, Addison, you look hot. And everyone's it's like zoom on Charlotte. Z- not Charlotte's not there. Zoom on Violet. Zoom on Cooper. Zoom on all of them. And Pete's like, no, you look flushed. Then we find Addie on an exam table in an exam room. Addison's on the exam table, and I'm confused why she's not in her office. Also, 
I love the directing style of this episode. It's so theatrical, especially in Beth's storyline. I feel like it's a style of camera work we haven't seen yet. Yeah, I would agree. And I like it. Mm -hmm. Do you have any more opening notes? No, that's all. Shall we move on to our patient cases, Sam? Yes. Who do we have today? Today in Oceanside Wellness. In our first episode, we have Nicole Clemens, bronchospasm, Beth Burton, scalp laceration and emotional trauma, Maya and Ruby, gonorrhea slash ectopic pregnancy, Mrs. Worth, Andrea, and Mrs. Coster. I'll have pap smears. Um, And then we're going to do a little section on Violet and Alan since they overtook the episode. Excellent. Shall we dive on into Nicole? Okay, yeah. Um, when she comes on and she says, oh, it's just, a, it's just a cold. I said, no one has a cold on a TV show. She is in trouble. Sam, I said the same thing. I said, girl, you are in for some trouble. As soon as she <laughs> said that, I knew. I knew something was up. This is private practice, not the actual ER. No. And when, like, whenever someone coughs on screen, instant death. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't have a ton of notes on her. I just say that I don't even work that hard when I'm running. And I am I'm not a beginning runner, but when you're, at least when we were growing up, when you're a dancer, you're not encouraged to run because it's opposite muscle training. Because when you dance, for the most part, you want to stretch your muscles. And when you run, for the most part, you want them to be more tight. So at least the feeling was among like ballet and musical theater people was that you shouldn't do so much running. You should do more like elliptical or even strength training. So I never really ran that, ran that much until a couple years ago. But yeah, even I don't breathe that much. I don't work yeah, that hard same. when I'm running. And she's I don't think anybody Olympian. does unless they're about to die. Yeah. I also yeah. thought it was really funny that everyone um, was talking about her with her first and last name. When I was in middle school, we called that a firsty lasty. Everywhere she went, it was Nicole Clemens, Nicole Clemens, Nicole Clemens. You know, that's how I talk about myself, Sam. <laughs> I know, but you do that in the third person. True, I do. You know, Sam, yeah. poor Nicole. I It always gets me these plot lines on medical shows where someone is working so hard for something. And they're so close to that dream coming true, only to be sidelined by a physical issue that they couldn't have prevented. Of course, it's very common on medical shows, I feel. But it always gets and me. And in real life. And in real life, too. Um, ugh, it just always gets me. Poor Nicole. Mm-hmm. But you know who else is in this storyline just a little bit? Dr. Charlotte coming in with those dramatic reveals. I feel like at, and through episode five, all she ever does is dramatic reveal. She comes in and reveals that something is not as it seems in the medical records <laughs> or that she also runs marathons. Yes, Dr. Charlotte. Oh, yeah. Do you have anything else on this storyline? I don't. I just hope that she gets well soon. I do, too. I yeah, do, too. She probably won't. Who's next? I have Beth Burton next. Who do you have? I also have Beth Burton next. Oh, great. I said, again, everyone's hair looks exceptional in this episode. And I there there was one camera angle through the curtains when Sam was talking to Beth that I thought was really creative and I really liked. I didn't think the story was going to go in the direction that it did. 
at first when she came in, obviously something was not as it seems. We didn't know yeah. what exactly they what exactly had happened beyond a robber breaking in. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, knowing that hearing the husband was out of town, I immediately went to cheating instead. Um, and I'm glad they didn't take that route and went with this very moving storyline instead. I also remember this storyline because of that scene with Violet in the house. Also, when Violet comes to her house, isn't stopping at a patient's home without asking an invasion of privacy, especially in the time of cell phones? You should call ahead. This is TV, Sam. I know, but you would, yeah, they wouldn't show it. They wouldn't show it, but maybe just like, especially since this woman has had her house broken into, you wouldn't want to have an an unexpected knock at the door. That is very true. Very, very true, Sam. And then I was also surprised that she answered it. Her husband was home too, so he could have answered it. Yeah. Yeah. Odd. I get that it's all for TV. Yeah. I do rationally understand that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Speaking of Violet, I really liked the scene where she's talking to Beth and John together. Um, saying maybe this time you could let Beth take care of you, urging him to not be so uptight about controlling her safety. And I thought that was a good display of Violet's skill as a psychiatrist. Yeah, that was a great scene. But in reality, it would take months or years of therapy, not minutes. But I did like that. It's all for the television, Sam. Yes, absolutely. Also, why was a gun his first instinct to get? He was like, I'll quit my job. We'll get a gun. Because it's 2007. I mean, I feel like it would still happen today in a lot of houses, but... Probably. I also, going back just a hair to combine Nicole and Beth, when they're interweaving those two scenes, when Violet's at the house and Nicole is running... There are these drums that are so reminiscent of what our favorite podcast, The On Call Room, would call Jumanji drums. I have it in all caps. Jumanji drums! <laughs> <laughs> Which were so popular at Grey's in the early seasons. And so popular. I saw it and I said, I said, I need to write this down. No, one more thing on Beth that I am just thinking is last week we had a Beth as well. Susan Kolechi Watson played Beth. You're right. And now we have Beth again. They're repeating names very quickly here in Los Angeles. Yes. Yes. It is a very popular name and a beautiful name. It All is. right. On to Maya and Ruby. Okay. So, A, I liked that we had Maya confiding in the auntie figure of Addison. I liked seeing that relationship develop. The same way Zola has that with her aunties in Grey's Anatomy, Amelia and Maggie. And it was just, I always like seeing that relationship on Grey's Anatomy because it's not something I personally have ever experienced in real life. So I think it's really cool to see that. Yeah. I really want a scene with Zola and Bailey and Ellis with Addison. Oh, me too. What an interesting relationship. Yeah. I would love that. I'd love to see that. It probably won't happen, but a girl can dream. My first note of this storyline is who in high school wears pigtails? Because that girl has pigtails and um, bangs. Are they in high school yet? I thought they were 13. Uh, Middle they school. are 13. Aren't you? But aren't You're you? You're 14 in high yeah, school. Yeah, I guess that is seventh 
seventh grade eighth, or seventh eighth or eighth grade. grade yeah they're very I still young don't know a lot of middle schoolers who wear pigtails this was 2007 sam i was i was in middle school i was 12 in i was 12 in 2007 i don't remember that happening either uh in... i hope we didn't just make listeners feel old we didn't mean to do that i was surprised to see them going with such a such a storyline like this with such young characters so early in the series, especially when Maya being the daughter of a main character, I was interested to see them go this direction with that so early. It's so reminiscent of that episode in Grey's that Addison has to deal with it, with that abandoned baby and all the little girls from private school. It is. It's very similar to that. Even down to the plaid outfits when when maya's in addison's office i just wanted to scream at her close your blinds one of your parents is gonna walk past yep and what happens the parent does yeah but they cover it yeah addison shows such great maternal instinct in dealing with maya going back to the relationship yeah in these scenes and i mean it made me think you know she comes into the series wanting a baby and i was like oh i think she would be good at that I think she would yeah. be good at that. And I know you can't say anything because you can't give me spoilers. You're just going to say no, okay. Of but <laughs> are you oh, going to say okay? Oh, dear listeners, I put I put Oh yes, I will say okay to you, Jackson. Dear Thank listeners, you. I put a folder in our Google Doc uh, that says not for Jackson's eyes and I texted him today and I said do not look at it because I'm tracking some things that happen that I know like that I hadn't caught before that will inform the towards the end of the series. Not necessarily the Jackson's jukebox things, but things that actually happen in the show that I'm like, oh, I didn't catch that. This this one that I wrote today, um, it's it has to do with a plot line in the next episode, but you won't get to know that until the very end of the series. So um, good luck. <laughs> okay. I thought, you know... It's a nice thought to lie that she has the gonorrhea symptoms herself, Maya. But, wow. That is so dangerous to not confess who is actually experiencing this. And I guess it just shows their age. But I was like, oh, stop, stop. Once we found that out. Maya has a pink razor phone when we see her call her mom in the hospital. I wanted that phone really badly. I didn't have that phone. I had an orange Envy. I think I had a razor. I think. It was red. Of course. I was never allowed to have a razor because my dad said that they would break too easily and he was probably correct. My Envy was indestructible. Wow. When Audra comes in and she's talking to Addison, first of all, Addison handles this correctly. I think she handled all of this correctly. Because legally, she wasn't allowed to say it, and morally, she didn't want to say it until she knew what was going on. I think that maybe it would have been different if something did come up abnormal in the exam with Maya, but it obviously didn't. So, since nothing was actually wrong with Maya, I think Addison did everything correctly. But I have an all caps here, Audra can do no wrong. Honestly, that single tear she has running down her face right before she says she is a little girl the height of the craft and i don't like when people say the craft because i think it's so pretentious but in this case i believe that it's warranted yeah i agree sam i was so impressed with audra in that scene 
That is why she has six Tony Awards. Yeah. Six and I'm going to say half because she was just nominated for another one. There's that saying the shoemaker's kid has no shoes. For in that, I feel like people apply that to different professions now being like the psychiatrist kid is crazy or something. They say that. They shouldn't, but they do. You'd think that the fertility doctor's kid would know the facts and just know that Addison can't just give a prescription for something without an exam. I don't know. But as they say, the shoemaker's kid has no shoes. Yes. Poor Maya. Poor Maya. But really poor poor Ruby. Yeah, I wish we got I wish we got some resolution on that. Yeah. Me too. I assume she's okay. Yeah, probably. Are you ready for our pap smear trio? I am ready for our pap smear trio. I don't have a lot of notes on them, but I did enjoy this little plot I did line. too. Dell is so nervous. It's so cute. You know, trying everything, trembling, <laughs> dropping the things. It's not a happy pap. It's <laughs> the funniest thing. I, L- <laughs> I LOL'd when he said that. Um, his first patient does not have time for him. She is so sassy to her friend on the phone. Um, terrible cell phone etiquette. I know, truly. You should never be on a cell phone in a doctor's office. Have they not read the signs? Or when you're interacting with another human. Well, yes. Unless you're on a FaceTime call like we are right now. Uh, of course but you know in normal times especially yeah yeah it's rude very rude but i love Dell standing up for himself when mrs coster initially denies the pap smear and would rather have someone else do yeah. it and he stands up for himself and it's a cute it's a cute moment that made me warm inside for Dell. yay do you have anything else on them i think that in real life that third one should have gone quite differently <laughs> But, yeah. Um, my only other note is that I want to see the callback room for all these under five ladies. Oh, oh, me too. Me too. Oh, um, dear listeners, an under five in film is when you have under five lines in a in an episode, which would be what the first two ladies are. I didn't count our third Mrs. Coster. I didn't count her. She might be not an under five. But she yes, might have just I think she has a little lines. more, but not. She doesn't have a lot. Definitely not Maybe. a lot. But she she made an impression. She did. The first one yeah. did too. Good work, good work. Under fives, we love yes, you. Yes, great work. All right, shall we move on to Violet and Alan? What Alan was in the lobby just when Violet took such a big step forward? Oh, Sam, I I screamed. I was like, no, he's sleazy. He is sleazy. He's so sleazy. My note for Violet is that Sam is not a person to ask fashion advice from. He's always in an athletic polo. Yeah. Yeah. He's she's like, if I wear a dress, no, don't ask him. If any I feel like Pete would be a better ask for that. He at least has that cool jacket. Or Cooper. She's not gonna ask Cooper. I know. Poor Cooper. She knows Poor better. Cooper. She does. There were really some some big George vibes coming from Cooper this episode. I agree. I also picked up on that. Yeah, and it was almost it this was less 
George Izzy energy with like the tension and more George Izzy energy with the Callie. Agreed. Yeah, Cooper was Izzy in this situation with the George energy. Saying yeah. that George shouldn't be with Callie, saying that Violet shouldn't be with Alan. Although both are technically correct, I guess, but at the time George and Callie were good together. I'll go to my grave with that. He's married and he is going to his ex-girlfriend's house. It's sleazy. It's just sleazy. He doesn't have good intentions. No. And poor Cooper coming over with the supplies. With the his DVDs, blockbuster the DVDs. Uh, They're blockbuster, so- did you see? I did. And he cares so much about her. And he would be so good for her. Yet yet Alan just has this this grip on her. And she's trying Alan's so lazy. hard. She's trying so hard to let him go. Like Adina Menzel sings. But he's just <laughs> there. And he won't go away. Ugh. Alan is so sleazy. I Maybe I didn't remember this because I really don't like him and I repressed it. Yeah, maybe. You know... Violet did get get a nice moment. This time I walk away from you near the end. Um, yes. Finding yes. that power. But you know what? Seeing how this has been going, I would not be surprised if it still takes her several more episodes to fully walk away from him and into the arms of our Cooper. Stay tuned. Okay. <laughs> That's what our merch should say. Okay. <laughs> it should. At the end, though, I do have to say that Cooper is wrong for not checking on Violet. Like, I don't care if you're fighting, but there are some things that you check on with good friends, and this is one of those things. Yeah. Agreed. When she comes in that gorgeous little zip-up, and she's like, why didn't you check on me? Also, that could have been a call, but I get that it's television. Yep. I get that it's television. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any last notes for this This episode? Yes. I didn't organize these very well. I apologize. One, Violet's Bill Clinton fantasy. Kind of weird. Also, but more interesting. More interesting. I don't think in this era of Grey's Anatomy, we had any references to actual real life people or events. We have, I know, in the last couple of seasons of Grey's since Krista took over, but... Back in the day, we didn't have any. So I was like, whoa, a real person mentioned on a Shondaland show? What? And so early, too. I was so surprised. Also, I loved Addison's line, I'm not a prude. I'm just from Connecticut. I thought that was very funny. (laughs) I knew you would like that. I loved that. Also, Pete flirting, I'm not above a fantasy or two about you. Gross. That is not how you flirt, Pete, especially with one of your coworkers. (laughs) I don't think he knows. I don't think he understands how to flirt. I don't think he gets that. Yeah. Do you have any final notes, Sam? Yeah. Speaking of Pete, I haven't noticed it before, but Pete is very thin from Grey's Anatomy-esque. McVet, Meredith and Derek's vet, he is very thin-esque. Also, when Pete says, um, or it's either Pete or Addison who says, like a gladiator, I just got my scandal vibes in there. It was very scandal. Um, was. And then I wanted to look up what came first, but I think this came first. This did come first. I looked it up when Tony Goldwyn directed. 
Shall we move on to episode 1.6? Yes, let's move on to episode 6. Okay, do you have any first notes? I do. Dell works so hard. He does. He is the mayor of Oceanside Wellness, I wrote. I know he refers to himself as the hub, but I wrote the mayor the hub of, of the Oceanside wheel, yes. Wellness. Yes. He's fixing the thermostat. He's organizing things. He's throwing away takeout. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, he says he does it all for Naomi and her vision in service of her, mm-hmm. which I was like, oh, why are we making this a thing? I don't want this to be a thing, Sam. But I know you don't. I trust Shonda to take us on the correct journey. So I'll I'll buckle on in and come along for the ride. Speaking of Naomi, she hasn't had to go on a date since college. Lucky her. I forgot yeah, that that's, that's when nice. she and Sam met. Lucky her. <laughs> I wish that were the case for me. I know. Oh, it's it's hard out there. Yes, it is. Oh, my gosh. I loved that lighter moment of Addison and Naomi's friendship there, picking out the outfits. That was a fun, a fun thing. Because so much of what we've seen between them has been so dramatic with Maya and uh, the fertility, etc. So it was nice to see... Again, we've seen a few other light moments, but this one just really was like, this one gave me joy. Friendship. This one gave me a lot of joy, friendship. a lot of friendship joy. It was cute. Yeah. Well, that's cute. My other my other opening notes are really just how beautiful everyone's hair and makeup looks. It does. I have one other opening note. Sam, why is yeah. Peach showing up unannounced? What is with these people? Have you ever heard of scheduling a visit? No. It's uh, insane. Uh, I, it is wild. <laughs> I would never. Oh I would be goodness. so angry if somebody showed up at my house unannounced. You got to make an appointment. I have. I think it depends on how, cl- how close you are to the person because I have one good friend. She's actually a patron of our podcast. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. She, she, um, she does show up sometimes to my house unannounced, but she's always bearing gifts and it makes my day. So I think it really depends how close you are to a person. Okay, that's really sweet. You know, even the people I'm closest to, I don't think I would appreciate showing up unannounced. Okay, then I won't. That's just for me. That's my personal taste, I guess. Maybe other people I think it really depends on who you are. I think so, too. Okay, moving on. You know, I'm tracking this like the green juice, Sam. My green juice is unannounced visits. So our patients for this episode are Angie Padgett, who has Huntington's disease, Charlotte King, insomnia, Tess and Marilyn Sullivan, broken wrist and MS. Respectively. Shall we get started with Miss Angie? Yes. It's Izzy's oncologist. It is. Dr. Swender. Yes. Um, that's the first thing I noticed when she came on screen. So we've, we're seeing Dr. Swender in this episode. We just saw Owen Hunt's mother appear. We saw, we've seen a few different patients and patient relatives from Grey's Anatomy in these first few episodes of private practice. And they're all playing characters that they did not play on Grey's Anatomy, yet we're in the same world. Grey's Anatomy and private practice are the same universe. Do you think that's weird at all? Yeah, it's – I think it's very weird, although I never begrudge an actor, especially a character actor, from a job. I will say, and it's no it's no secret, that in a few seasons we will have April Kepner from Grey's Anatomy 
being on private practice in a multi-episode arc interacting with Addison and Naomi and Sam. And her name is June. So April is June. <laughs> That's strange. That is the one that I find the, the most distracting. It does feel like it's separate enough because it's in a different state. You know, like Los Angeles and Seattle. So we're not seeing any other Grey's Anatomy characters besides Addison. So that makes it easier to remove myself. But In this episode. In, yes, in this episode. Because we have Amelia later. But yes. most of the like so most of the time after the initial like, wait a minute, I recognize them. It, I am able to let go of it. But it's still like the more I think about it, the weirder it is that they're playing different characters in the same universe. Again, they're all very very talented actors and i'm all for them getting more work oh Many absolutely of them have been my guest star spotlight yeah even. so good for them yes weird choice though from the creative team i had a i had a hard time with owen's mom only because there's such a highlight on owen's mom's boyfriend in Grey's anatomy to have owen's mom's fiance to be a different person true true in private practice but it also, the timing doesn't overlap for any of them except for Angie here. Right. Wait, no, Angie, this is before, because Angie's not on Grey's Anatomy until season five, and this was airing concurrently with season four. And this is season four. So they don't officially overlap, okay. but still pretty close together. Yeah. I on. she did one episode here and, and several hey. there. So again, and she's great. It just means that they're great to work yeah, with. Just it means does. they're great to work with. We, we love do. that. We love it. Yeah. I started to write a note that says, don't they do genetic testing? Mm. And then as soon as I started to write that, Angie came in and sa- said to Addison, I researched you. And I said, okay, I know what she's going to say. Yeah. My first thought on this was, oh, no. Kids not knowing the full story. Kids are not something you can compromise on. Did we learn nothing from Christina Yang? Why didn't you tell him you didn't want kids before you got married? But of course, this was before we understood why she didn't want kids. And then it became much more complicated um, and much more devastating. Yeah. When she just up and left, I got mad. She she needs to tell him that she's leaving. Like, at, at the very least, leave a note. But also, does he not know that her mom died from this? I feel like it's pretty common knowledge that Huntington's is genetic, unless that is only me with my Shondaland brain knowing that. Maybe he just didn't know. I know that sounds crazy. But remember, she didn't plan on getting married. She planned on just having fun with him, right? Now, I'd assume he would have asked her about her family before they got married, or, you know, if she... Yeah, it seems like a very traumatic thing to have your mom die in this way. Yeah, and not tell them. It was... That was odd. Um, Did you... This is connected, I promise. Did you watch Drag Race Vegas? I didn't. There's a whole storyline on there about Asia O'Hara, who I love. And she's with her fiancé, and he's visiting. And Asia has this whole sordid past with her parents and her family. And she's engaged to this man, and he doesn't have any idea about her family, about her parents being dead. Like, she – he has no idea about this, and it reminded me – it reminded me of that. Yeah. So it's possible that he just wouldn't know. Again, to be married, yeah. and I don't know, that's a little weird, but but it's not impossible. Yeah. 
I mean, not the drug race. Vegas is like the peak of of um, culture or anything, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was quite quite the show. The six part miniseries. Um, do you have any more notes? Yeah, I thought this actress Kimberly Elise's acting was beautiful and so heartbreaking in these sequences. The reveal of her worry um, about the potential of having Huntington's. I want to think of baby names, etc. All of the writing and the acting in that scene was just heartbreaking. And then the look when she realizes she does indeed have it before Addison even says a word. Ugh, mm-hmm. Just breaks your heart into a million pieces. Yeah. Ugh, just very moving all around. Those baby names were so good. She said Henry and Margaret. And Addison said Carson. Good names. My last note for this um, section is when they're on the deck at the very end. All of their blankets and sweaters look so cozy and I wanted to get all cuddled up as well. Mm. Yes. When Angie and Ray ask themselves, what would you be doing if you knew you're going to die and just have this short life? Mm. That's paraphrased. Mm -hmm. What a great question that is for all of us to ask ourselves. To really do what we can to find joy and fulfillment with whatever time we do have left. Cause you never know. I could get hit by a car in a week. Um, Please don't. I won't. I'll try. My I've best. been, I, I've been thinking about that a lot this year. Uh, yeah. This year, especially n- not being able to go places. I feel especially bad for people with terminal illnesses who maybe degenerative diseases like this, who maybe have like a few more years left of being able to travel and go on long nature hikes and stuff like that, who are not able to do that now. I feel, I I especially feel for people with, with those degenerative diseases who can't do that right now. Yeah, me too. Shall we move on to Dr. Charlotte? Yeah, I'm feeling very much like Charlotte today. I am having this aphasia that Pete speaks of. I am yawning. I am. Uh, see, you can't even do a sentence. It's going to be one weird episode. I was so excited when Dr. Charlotte came in as a patient in the scene because I knew we'd finally get to know a bit more about her. Sure, I mm-hmm. love all of her dramatic reveals, but you know, there's so much shell to crack on Charlotte. Yes. On Dr. Oh my Charlotte. God, there's so much. Like, you don't even know. And there still is. I know even after this episode, there's still so much to crack, but we get to start that, and it's very exciting. <laughs> What's your first note on her? Just that? That's my first note. Also, well, after that, I guess my first note directly related is, of course you're not sleeping. You have your phone in bed with you. Oh, I'm very guilty of that. I'm so guilty Me of too. that. She's sitting in Sam's chair for the exam. What a power move. And she's... Organizing the fridge. I also organize when I'm stressed. And she is correct in that noodles definitely do go bad. They do. They can get weevils. I, do I want to know what that is? It's like a little bug. Ooh. Wait, when they're cooked or when they're dry? No, when they're dry. Like, they could be in the box. You would see them. When I was in high school, our... our uh, home ec class got weevils in one of the boxes of pasta. It was gross. 
my face right now if you could see it, dear listeners. Oh, you, you my would God. Know. You would know if there were weevils. You would see that. I would know. Are they yeah. big? No. But you can tell. Oh, God. Oh, that's so scary. Because I definitely keep pasta for a long time. But I don't have – I do chickpea pasta or I do lentil pasta. Does it mm. still work in that or is it wheat? I don't know. I'm not a weevil expert, Sam. The wheat for the weevils. <laughs> yeah, oh, I don't God, know. that's so scary. Yeah, I don't know. <gasps> um, but organizing somebody else's fridge, girl, no. I would still do it. I would absolutely do it. In a communal space, not in someone's home, but in a communal space, I absolutely would do it. No, I've been in communal space kitchens and have not had the urge, even if it is not well organized. But have you slept three hours in three days? No. Are you the chief of staff of St. Ambrose? I am not. Well, then there's some missing pieces here, aren't there? Yes, there are. Okay. I got really excited when Addison took the green juice out of the fridge in that blender. That was my next note, too. Ah! she They're making it themselves. It's so economical. It's yes, so economical. Yes, yes. And, you know, so exciting, too, because you can taste the love in it when you make it yourself for beverages. I don't taste the love when I make food, but when I make a drink, I taste the love. Oh, really? I definitely taste the love in, like, a lasagna or, a, like, a roast or something. I taste the love when other people make it for me, but not when I make it for myself. Oh, definitely not. But, like, if I make a coffee or a cocktail, I can taste my love. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I see it. I see it. Or if I were to make a green juice, I'm sure I would, too. I'm obsessed with this raspberry shirt that Addison has on. It's a beautiful shirt. It's like a sweetheart neckline with opaque fabric. And then the top, I'm just going to say mesh, even though I know that's wrong mesh high neck it's it was beautiful and i oh i know it. what you mean i know what you mean i can't picture the specific of but i know what you mean by that now that you just i have this showed me i have i have this aphasia i need dr wilder to put that clay <sighs> thing on my head that looked awesome i want clay yeah. on my head to help me sleep i know i would definitely need to replace my pillowcase like every night but it could yeah. be worth it maybe yeah also when- lol at everyone watching charlotte sleeping <laughs> That cracked me up. It, right before that, when um, Addison and Pete are talking outside the door, she says, Charlotte says, it's not working. I'm not sleeping. That's how I felt last night, early this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's not working. I'm not sleeping. <laughs> also, when Pete was giving her the th- clay thing on her head, give her a hair tie. Yeah. Or a headband, too. Yeah. Both. Shall we move on to Tess and Marilyn? We don't have another choice, do we? We don't. So Tess shows up. She's a teenage daughter. She's broken her wrist, supposedly by reading while walking. Now, who does that? No one. So clearly something is up. And Detective Cooper is ready. He knows what's up. He's very suspicious. And rightfully so, it seems, as we find out later. This insight on Dell is heartbreaking. Oh, it is. Oh, Dell. I find, going back to Cooper, yes, obviously there are clear signs um, that there may be abuse, but the way he handles it makes it 
again, just another great example about how much he cares about his patients, especially those those kids slash tweens. He is so good with them and handles them yeah. in such such a wonderful way. He's a great doctor, and I love him more every episode. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, his final statement at the trial, he takes as an opportunity to lift up Tess and say, you don't have to take that, um, and uses that final moment to build her up rather than just come in with the facts. And I think yeah. that's what makes a great doctor. When Sam's walking away from the mom... And she's with her cane, and she's oh, it's so hard. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah. This is such a difficult case. I've never noticed this super layered Sam and Violet relationship before, and it's really sweet. Like I know that she really only went to him last time because Cooper wouldn't talk to her, but this time they're they're chatting like pals, and I just haven't noticed it before. Yeah, I like I that neither. relationship. Yeah. When so Cooper is Jewish. Has he mentioned that yet? I don't think he's mentioned it yet. Okay. It's so rare to have like a secular Jewish character on a TV show that I always notice it because it's so special. Mm-hmm. And when Violet's putting on his tie, she says today you are a man, which is like what people say when you have your bar mitzvah or yeah. your bat mitzvah. So I, it was funny to me and like, obviously she meant, she meant it in like a very loving, caring way, but those specific words said to him, I don't really know where I'm going with this. Do you know what I'm saying though? Yeah, I get it. I, again, could not finish your sentence, but I get where you're going. I also can't finish my sentence. It's special. It's special. It is. It is. And I thought that was a really sweet, caring moment. But when he, after the trial, when he's on the balcony and he has his phone and his papers on that railing, it made me so nervous. I do have several last notes on these episodes. Um, Oh my goodness, everyone. Why do you have to try to make Violet feel bad about expressing her desire to not want kids? Just let her not want kids. Now, I have a feeling she might actually want them, and that's just, like, a ploy to cover up her loneliness. But just let her feel that way if that's the way she wants to feel. Not everybody has to have a baby. It's fine. I also took the note that Audra even said it. She likes that Del thinks she's pretty, but she would not be into him. I agree, Audra. I agree, Audra. And then one last note. Wow, that Addison and Pete kiss happened a lot sooner than I expected. I really thought they were going to drag it out through at least the end of the season, if not partway through season two. But here we are. That was fast. And that's all I got. Okay. Should we do my style? Yeah, Sam. What do you got for us today? Oh, no. What do you have for us today? (laughs) For my style today, I have in episode two, Violet has on this cream sweater shirt, I'm calling it, because it's sweater material, but it's a t-shirt, and it has a gigantic flower, like, right in the middle, and it really was just a very special feat of 2007 fashion. 
Sure is. Yeah. Sure is. Yes. Who's our guest star spotlight today? So our guest star spotlight today is Kimberly Elise, who played the role of Angie. Kimberly studied communications at the University of Minnesota, but always had the intentions of becoming an actress for her career. She directed a short film around this time, which led her to the opportunity to study at the American Film Institute, which ultimately helped her gain the confidence and connections to break into the film industry. She made her television debut in 1995 on In the House, and then she made her feature film debut the following year in Set It Off. Some of her many notable film credits include Beloved, Diary of a Mad Black Woman, For Colored Girls, John Q, Woman Now Art Loose, and Ad Astra. And some of her notable TV credits include Close to Home, Hit the Floor, Masters of Science Fiction, the TV film The Loretta Claiborne Story, and most notably for us, a recurring arc as surgical oncologist Dr. Swender on season five of Grey's Anatomy. She has won many awards, including four NAACP Image Awards and four Black Reel Awards. And that's Kimberly Elise. She's great. Congratulations, Kimberly. So our trivia. Wow. For season one, episode five, we have 11.7 million viewers who tuned into this episode. It's about on par for last week. I believe it was around 11 or 12. Yeah. Yeah, it's hovering in that area since episode two I yeah think. um also in this episode the character pete can be seen in a shirt from the putney school where the actor who plays him tim daly studied in real oh life. i like that a fun little easter egg there i do like that um in episode six 11.21 million viewers tuned in for this episode so that's less than five but not by a lot but pretty close and yet again yeah, not by a lot. I was one of these. And I was not. <laughs> what? But now I am. What does Jackson's Jukebox have to say today? All right, Sam. For Jackson's Jukebox, I think we will continue chipping away at the outer shell of Charlotte and learn a lot more about her inner life throughout the rest of the season and obviously the rest of this. season. I'm just going to go ahead and but say that that one's right on because I can't not say it. Well, yeah. That's pretty obvious. Yeah. Also, speaking of our dear Audrey McDonald, I think she's going to go on a date with Dell soon. I do. I feel like they're building to that. And I think it's going to be weird. Okay. And I think it's just going to be a single date. That's what I think there. And again, as I've been saying for the past several episodes, I think we're going to continue building toward Cooper and Violet's first kiss. And a love story there. Okay, so you think it's going to be a fool. And that's Jackson's Jukebox. You think it's going to be a love story. I do. I think they're going to have, I think they're going to be together a while. I do. Not forever. Maybe. But I think they are going to last a while. Maybe a season or two. All right. We'll see. All right. I mean, okay. <laughs> do you have an MVP for this episode? I do have an MVP, Sam. It is not Sam. It is <laughs> Cooper. A, for demonstrating his love for Violet in a much, much cleaner way, coming over with movies and takeout, etc., only to then have to go through the emotional pain of being let down by seeing Alan there. And B, for not only trusting his instincts and the evidence and doing the right thing in the Tess and Marilyn case, 
but going the extra mile and, and leaving Tess with a bit of inspiration at the end of his testimony. He cares about his patients so much, and he is an excellent doctor. Okay. Who's your MVP, Sam? So I know she's really not in the first episode, but I have Charlotte as my MVP just because it takes so much for her to open up to Pete and just say that thing about her family. I just, I know that it wasn't much, but I do feel that it spoke wonders about her. But yet again, I do, I do really want to give it to the hair and makeup department. Snaps. Snaps for them. Just the They're great. Beautiful, shiny great hair. Yes. No flyaways. Just beautiful. Mm. Perfect. I loved it. I loved it. Do you have a visual rating for us, Jackson? I'm trying, Sam. I am really trying. I hope this one <laughs> makes sense. My rating is a wave perfect for the surfer in us all. We've got high drama. We've got unexpected twists. We've got great character development for Charlotte and for Violet and... It, I felt the show really hit, hit a stride in these episodes, and I really enjoyed watching. What about yeah. you, Sam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine is the feeling of the warm sun when you're on the beach under a big umbrella. You can feel the warmth of the sun, but you're under an umbrella, so it's not going to give you a sunburn. Okay. Okay. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're in the same, we're, we're in the same vein here. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at bhabpodcast, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor to be the first to hear future episodes. You can find me on Instagram at all.that.jax. And you can follow me at Samantha G. Harris on all social media. Theme music for this episode was composed by Samantha G. Harris. If you'd like to support Beach Houses and Babies, please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcast and consider sharing the podcast with a friend. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash bhab podcast. On our next episode, we'll be discussing Private Practice Season 1, Episodes 7 and 8. They are available to stream on Netflix and Hulu and can also be purchased on iTunes, Amazon, DVD, and more. If you have thoughts you'd like to share on these episodes, please DM us on Instagram at bhabpodcast or email us at bhabpodcast at gmail.com to be featured on our listener mail segment. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with our next recap. TGIT! Bye! Giggle, giggle! <laughs>